It's not easy for couples to have open, honest conversations about sex, but the more you're willing to talk about it with each other, the better the opportunity you'll have to make this a really healthy part of your relationship. I'm John Fuller, along with my friends and focus colleagues, Aaron Smalley and Greg Smalley, and we're going to hear now a conversation Jim Daly had with Gary Thomas and Deborah Faleta about how couples can work through challenges in this area, and I'm confident you're going to find this helpful. Let me go back to a more general question, though, and uh, that is, you describe sex as both the greatest blessing and the greatest pain that couples can experience in marriage. I mean, that kind of says it all. The joking side of me would say, I think which side generally men would would go with and what side generally women would go with. But that, too, is a stereotype. Nothing is that straight any longer in the culture, even in the Christian culture. It's like an 80-20 rule. And so with that context, uh, why is it both the highest of highs in the marriage relationship and sometimes the lowest of lows? I think some of the greatest validation and affirmation can come from a healthy sex life, but also some of the deepest rejection and abandonment can come from an unhealthy sex life. Especially when you're not talking about it, you can read in between the lines Mm -hmm. of what you think this lack of intimacy is saying. And so a lot of people are struggling with uh, reading in between the lines and not actually having open, honest conversations about what's going on deep down inside of them emotionally. Yeah. I took a swing a few minutes ago with the idea that um, difficulties in your intimacy can often start in other areas, and it's simply the symptom So attack that a little bit, that if a couple's having some difficulty, there could be underlying issues that are unrelated to physical intimacy, but are born out of feelings of inadequacy and other things. What what are those lists of things that couples should be aware of that they might be struggling with that affects them in the bedroom? It could be negative or a positive. Here's a negative. One woman said to me, Gary, I'd love to have a, a better relationship in the bedroom with my husband, but here's a problem everything I do is wrong. I don't drive right. I don't cook right. I don't Mm. clean right. I don't raise the kids right. I I probably don't even pray right. And she goes, so at the end of the day, I know he's judging what's happening between the sheets. And I'm just tired of being criticized by a man that can't be pleased. So for that, that's not a sexual issue. That's a criticism issue. That's a relationship issue that's holding him back. On the positive end, one wife said, I would love this. And she said, Gary, if my husband would just pray with me, she said he wouldn't be able to handle me in bed. He'd be crying uncle <laughs> long before the night is through. How many and, men are going to try that today? Yeah. <laughs> well, honey, let's pray. Let's pray more. <laughs> and, and what she's saying, before you touch my body, touch my soul, wow. and sex will be the natural response. Now, that's not a promise. It's not a guarantee. But it's just recognizing that, as Deborah says in the book, sexual problems are almost never usually exclusively about sex. There could be something negative removing the desire or the lack of a positive that keeps the desire from being at its peak. Now, Gary, I trust you. You're an author of great books on marriage, but I want to get Deborah's input here. Yeah. Is that true? Touch your soul and you have you have the rest of me? The number one thing that women said in order to arouse their body, you have to start by arousing their heart. Mm. Like that is the gateway. Mm. And if that's not there, then everything else is going to fall short. Um, So much of what we learned in doing research and writing this book is that women are saying that they really need you to connect with them emotionally. And what happens above the sheets 
fuels what happens underneath the sheets. And that is something that I think we don't give enough value to when we're having this conversation. Oh my goodness. I mean, men, yeah, it's hard for us to think that way. It's microwave. It's not crock pot. Yeah. And I mean, what, speaking to the men as a woman, how do we rearrange our thinking that way? Because so much of it is rooted in desire. It's just bold desire. We just want to get right to the point and, you know, go. So what, how would you in your counseling session with a man who is not building into that, that emotional intimacy, what would you say to him to do some things differently? You know, some simple things to build emotional intimacy is just by checking in with your spouse, asking them how they're doing, um, really listening when they're talking, seeing what they need to help them and to care for them. And I think it's important to take that physical drive that you have for sex and see it as a holistic thing. You know, if we really want to make the most of our physical intimacy, we've got to also make sure that we're boosting our emotional and spiritual intimacy. The act of just praying with your spouse, we mentioned it earlier, but there is so much power Mm. in that emotional and spiritual intimacy that you can have with your spouse. Well, Erin, obviously emotional intimacy is really important, uh, especially for women. How can a woman know um, that her husband isn't trying to get something? He's actually just trying to serve her. And and please, I'm asking on behalf of a lot of guys I know. Yeah. I'm very curious (laughs) to hear this response. I would say it's important, A, to have a conversation about it. Like, hey, I see you're doing these things. Is there an expectation tied to these acts of service, but you can also watch. Are the acts of service only happening right before bedtime? Or is he initiating sex by highlighting what he's done? Um, Or is he mentioning his acts of service, but you know, I cooked dinner for you. And so it's just looking at that that, all feels- That last one feels kind of guilty. Well, it feels manipulative. And of course we pick up on that, especially as women with our intuition and, we pick up on that. And so instead of, you know, tiptoeing around, sit down. And I would say it's probably good to sit down at a time when this isn't happening. Like, hey, can we talk about this? And, you know, have a conversation, an honest, open conversation about, you know what, you don't have to earn sex. That's a gift we give each other. And so recognizing I love the acts of service. I love when Greg cooks dinner. But if it's tied to something, and that's in it's that's not just sex, but you know it's tied to anything. That when we do acts of service with premeditated motives, mm-hmm. it it feels blah. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> hurt to lay the groundwork and have some yes. some um, long term service to your to your spouse in terms of housework or something that you know would help her out. Um, so build a foundation. Yes, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing, but don't do it. So you get something in return. Yeah. Now, what we, what we heard earlier was based on the book by Gary Thomas and Deborah Faleta called Married Sex, and we have that here at the ministry. Um, we're making that available to you as a listener when you make a donation of any amount to the ministry of Focus on the Family. Check the show notes for all the details. And then while you're online, please take our free marriage assessment, which has questions that you too can answer. Uh, and then you can talk about it. We've had over a million people take this marriage assessment. It's free. We'll link over to it in the show notes. More from Gary and Deborah next time, and of course, from Greg and Aaron. On behalf of them and the entire team here, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. <music>